This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's time for your weekly trip around the bases with your hometown team. It's Inside Twins, where we dive into the minds of the guys in charge for insight, information, and analysis. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Twins gearing up to wrap up this series and this homestand. Twins and the Tigers coming up about one hour from now. It'll be at Alberto Mejia for the Twins at 4-4. Four and four. Lefty Matt Boyd opposing for the Tigers. He is 3-5. and five. You can reach us in two ways, by email, InsideTwins at TwinsBaseball.com or on Twitter, hashtag InsideTwins. And our guest on our Sunday program, the general manager of the Minnesota Twins, we say good afternoon to Thad Levine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Great to have you with us. It's a busy time of year as uh, the team is set to embark on a long West Coast road trip after the game today. But that trade deadline, Thad, drawing closer and closer day by day. Activity right now where you expected it to be or things ramping up a bit more? You know, I think we saw a wave of trades a little bit earlier than we had expected. Uh, J.D. Martinez may end up being the best bat moved at the deadline. Jose Quintana may end up being the best starting pitcher moved at the deadline. Both moved a little bit prematurely uh, relative to the end of the deadline. Usually we see these things gravitating right down to the wire. So two huge moves uh, done early. What the, the Yankees did while they were playing us with the Chicago White Sox, obviously a very significant overhaul. Uh, Rather than acquiring the starting pitching, they decided to shore up their bullpen. I mean, it's lethal now. And we've seen that play well in the playoffs, where if your starter can give you five, uh, even four to five innings, you turn over the bullpen and the dominant arms they have. I mean, they've really transformed the back end of their bullpen. So a lot of significant moves made already. uh, A lot of moves still being discussed. A lot of big names coming into play. But I think what you see is... There's so many teams out there right now that are trying to wait as long as possible to ultimately make that big decision, or am I a buyer or am I a seller? Uh, when you talk to clubs as recently as the last 24 hours, which Derek, Rob, Anthony, and myself are doing constantly, we're still hearing from clubs. We're, we're inclined to wait. We want to see how the next uh, series plays out. There's a lot of congestion for the wild card in the American League, a little less parity in the National League, but all of those American League clubs are looking at it and saying, What's my strength of schedule down the stretch? Can I get back in this thing? And a lot of them are still up in the air on that right now. I'm not sure how much you can uh, say about this, but I have to ask you because the news uh, was, was you know became public on Thursday about a potential arm the Twins are interested in acquiring. What can you say on the record about the Twins' interest in Jaime Garcia at this point? So, you know, I think where we were, and we're one of those clubs of which I was just referencing, where we were as recently as 10 days ago is we were inclined not to necessarily spend significant assets against rental players, players who will be free agents at the end of the year, players who we would only have for two, two and a half months, depending on when we uh, completed a trade. I think the more we've watched our team play, the more resiliency we've seen out of these guys, we feel a responsibility and an obligation to try to support them as best we can. So 
What does this market really have to bear? As much as all of us would love to get controllable players, controllable pitchers if we could, there are a lot more rental players out there, guys, who will be free agents at the end of the year. Uh, quite a few, quite frankly, who we think are middle-of-the-rotation type players, and those guys could really help this team. So I think Jaime Garcia is one of those types of guys. There are a number of them out there. Uh, between Derek, Rob, and I, we're calling on every single one of those guys. We're trying to get an understanding of what would be the asking price for us to acquire those types of players. That ask has changed a little bit over time with some of those guys. We're monitoring it on a daily basis. If we feel like there's an opportunity to strike to help this team, we're going to do that. Follow up on Jaime, then we'll move on. Are conversations continuing, or have they reached kind of a, a stall that, that you're moving on? If I blink twice, it means we're still talking to them. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I would tell you this. I, I think I think what we feel is we've got the blessing of having myself, Derek, and Rob, all of whom have had trade negotiations history in our past. The three of us are spending time on the phone every single day with as many clubs as we can. So to say we have ongoing discussions with any one club, I would tell you we're having ongoing discussions with almost every single club uh, that we think has players that could possibly help us. Now, those may not be deals we can do in the next 24 hours, but those are deals that we're going to try to monitor, hopefully getting something done in between now and the deadline. Getting back to what you said about the rental player compared to a player you may obtain with more control, whether it's for 2018, even 2019. With what you have to give back regarding a prospect, regarding what level that player may be at, regarding injury history, there are probably a variety of factors. How does that play into it? What the level of prospect you have to give back compared to what you obtain back regarding player and his current contract or what you might gain in the following year or two? That's a, it's a great question, and it's, and it's kind of a little bit of a, a dense answer. And I'll, t- I'll say this, that you know we feel as if we want to build – a championship-caliber team that has the ability to play meaningful games in September and beyond as many seasons as we can. So realistically, that may not be every year, but our aspirations are never to push all of our chips in for the proverbial one year and done. And we certainly don't feel like 2017 is that year. So we are trying to do the best we can to acquire talent to help us get into the playoffs for 2017 with still an eye towards not compromising our future dramatically. So we're in a position that's pretty unique. Jim Poland has informed us that we have a little latitude to take on some salaries from other other teams. And so we're hopeful that that will resonate with certain clubs where just shedding payroll will have meaningful value to them. And in exchange, we don't necessarily have to give up the best prospects on our board because we're going to be disinclined to do just that. So the latitude that Mr. Polad's given us is exceptional, and it's, and it's a really a great uh, weapon to have entering this, this trading deadline. Now, the other side of the coin is – we have three of our best talent evaluators, Brad Style, Mike Radcliffe, and Darren Johnson, right now combing our minor leagues. Each of those guys is giving us real-time feedback as to what is the fluid ranking of our farm system, such that we try as best as we can to deliver value to the other teams in these trades without really compromising our future. So there have been a number of, of deals that have been proposed to us that, quite frankly, we just felt were too short-term focused. Uh, and that we're really going to hurt us in the very near term. Uh, these would be guys that we would be giving up that aren't four to five years away. They're not lottery tickets. They're guys that we think are within one or two seasons away and should be really part of the core of our team moving forward. We're going to be really reluctant to do those types of deals for short-term assets. We may be more open to doing those types of deals for longer-term assets. The longer-term assets typically get dealt in the off season mm. when you have a little bit more time to make those deals. And also, 
for the team who's selling the longer-term asset. They're not just dealing with the teams that are trying to make a push for the playoffs right now. They could truly open that up to potentially as many as 29 other clubs. So those are atypical to happen at the deadline. A lot of teams are pursuing them right now. We'll see if any of them are really really get done. Good stuff there from Thad Levine. We'll take a break, come back, talk more with the Twins GM next. Inside Twins rolls on in your home for Twins baseball. Thad Levine's a faithful guy. Great song here from Pearl Jam. We roll on Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Provis back with Thad Levine. Uh, a couple thoughts uh, per our first segment, then we'll move on to the, to the current team. But I'm curious, the, the war room, and maybe that's not the way to phrase it, but the, the group you have together when you're dissecting all the moves you may or may not make leading up to July 31st, how that compares and even contrasts to the groups that you bring together when it comes to the amateur draft? Uh, it's a very good question. First of all, I think in today's game of analytics and advanced analytics, 82% of all baseball executives like Pearl Jam. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, it's right. Really Theo kind of set the bar yeah, way back when, and yeah. everybody else got on board. Yes, yes. That and the Bee Gees. Those are the two <laughs> every executive right. really likes. So uh, it's a great question. So the, the draft is a little bit of a unique animal in, in and of itself. So you're bringing in a lot of your senior uh, amateur draft scouts uh, who don't normally office here in, in, in Minneapolis. So they're, they're kind of new to the office. We all set up in a large conference room somewhere. Uh, there's a lot of mixed nuts and beef jerky consumed and the collateral damage therein. And uh, so it's different in that not all these guys have their own office. We, we bring in guys who are spending time in the field. Uh, it's more of a board-driven discussion where you're constantly putting names on the board and ranking the players juxtaposed against each other. Whereas the trade deadline, uh, it's we, we are spending most of our time in Derek's office. We've got a group of people who are there. Uh, all of us also have other daily responsibilities that require us to duck in and out. Uh, we spend a lot of time, I would say like quite literally, you're probably spending two to three hours kind of hypothesizing and crafting deals that you can propose for every like 10 minutes you spend on the phone with a team actually making those proposals. So we try to do best we can of like vetting those internally to make sure that they are reasonable offers before you put them, put them out there. And then, and then you're out there, you're doing a blend of fact finding from other teams, inventory, what are their needs? What are their surpluses? What's their sense of urgency relative to their desire to, to, to make a trade? Uh, what's some of the other factors that are going into it? Is it a team that maybe just opened a stadium and they're trying to drive revenue or there's, you know, there's certain things that we are trying to constantly monitor. We're trying to evaluate as best we can uh, their chances of getting back into a race uh, by looking at their strength of schedule down the stretch. And then we go into the discussions, eyes wide open, and we're kind of one of those teams that feels as if you can bounce anything off us and we'll, we'll, we'll take it seriously and we'll, we'll vet it and then we'll get back to you. You know, like, a lot of teams, when you talk to them, they can ask you up front, is this worth us spending time on? And I always think of, what what else are you spending time on? Budgets? <laughs> like, isn't this what we're all in this for, is trades? Like, go get somebody off the street who loves fantasy baseball if you want them to spend all the time on the trade here. You can get back to your budget work. Uh, so, yeah, we, we always take trade uh, proposals seriously, and we're at least going to have a significant conversation. But the guys internal here really represent a very small portion of the group that's involved. We've got senior talent evaluators in the road who we're calling constantly. We've got a, you know, an email chain running constantly with all of the trade proposals that are out there so that they can give us real-time feedback. With the job that you have and you look at what you want to add and hopefully can add here before you get to the waiver process in August, is it different than 
say, if you're just in contention for the wild card, but with the divisional spot in play here, is that a different approach? Is that a different mindset here? Absolutely. I think when you're competing for multiple avenues to get into the playoffs, I think you take it even that much more seriously. Now, we have a ton of respect for the Cleveland Indians. We have a ton of respect for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, those two teams have a great track record of winning and a winning tradition. We've candidly been waiting for those two teams to go on runs. Kansas City went on one to get back into it. Cleveland may be starting one right now, but as, as it stands right now, we've been hanging with those two clubs, and as long as we're hanging with those two clubs and we think we have two avenues to get into the playoffs, we're going to do our best to try to get one of those two spots. Do you feel pressure from, and maybe you can't, this is where you just can't always be a fan, you have to you know, be the GM, but do you feel pressure from the current players that are down the way from us, the 25 guys who put on the uniform every day, they can't worry about 2018, 2019. We have a window to win now. How much of that plays into what you may or may not do? You know, I think I think one of the underestimated aspects of this job is just the sheer volume of constituents you try to please. You know, you've got the players that you reference. You've got the fans that obviously we are, are doing the best we can to try to please on a daily basis. You've got ownership. You've got the business side. You've got your corporate sponsors. You've got your community uh, partners. And it, it, one thing I just learned over time is if you try to please everyone, you're going to probably fall short in pleasing anybody. So it's not a popularity contest. These are times where Derek and I may have to make some tough decisions that, quite frankly, won't ring true for every single one of those constituents. But we've got to, at every turn, make the decision that we feel is best for the franchise in the long term. Now, we we run everything through Dave St. Peter and through Jim Polad, so... We're not making these decisions in a vacuum. We're in constant contact with Paul Molitor to try to get the pulse of the players and how, how they'll be impacted by moves. But we don't take lightly trading human beings, the impact it has on their lives, and the impact it has on the players around them. We'll take a break. Come back. More of Inside Twins next on your home for Twins Baseball. Twins and the Tigers coming up later on today. Danny will be upstairs looking great on this Sunday as we wrap up this series and this homestand on a beautiful beautiful Sunday here at Target Field. Corey Provis back with Thad Levine. Uh, speaking of Danny, let's talk about some injuries right now, if we can, uh, <laughs> kind of run down some things. Take us through the report, if you can, on Santiago and Perkins, other updates. Yeah, Hector Santiago is going to go out on a rehab assignment here. Uh, great news for us. We'll get him back up and going. Uh, you know, those are things that are kind of subtle acquisitions of the trade deadline when you get a guy back who's a major league starting pitcher who hasn't been with the team for a couple weeks. And probably, to be fair to him, may not have been right the, the start or two before that. Uh, he came back from his previous uh, injury prematurely and uh, jumped right back in. Oh, really? There, there, there's a connection, you think, with the two? Well, you know, I, I think when you send a guy out on rehab, your aspirations are getting him up to six or seven innings in, in practice. When we had a flurry of injuries right around that time, we kind of forced him back into action against the Boston Red Sox, and he was more than willing to step up and try to compete. But in practice, you know, I think we probably got him back a little bit prematurely. I don't know what how that impacted him, but i got to believe we could have put him in better position to succeed than we did. So he competed for us, uh, a guy who I think that's reflective of how he's been all season, been a great teammate ever since uh, we acquired him, has been a, you know, a real nice leader in our clubhouse. So it would be great to get him back. Glenn had his uh, first outing the other day, did fine. I think he's been... You know, chomping at the bit to try to face live hitters. He's finally entering that phase of the the rehab. Uh, Mike Radcliffe saw him pitch recently, started using terms like crispness to his stuff, which I think is really encouraging because, you know, this is a slow haul for these guys coming back from these types of injuries. For him now to have a little zip on the fastball and seeing some finish to the breaking balls, I think it's got to be really encouraging to Glenn. I think the hitters will ultimately tell him how effective his stuff is. 
but the, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and the, the tunnel now is no longer in an indefinite length. You have to make a call on Justin Haley, right? Come Tuesday, his 30-day rehab period ends. What happens with uh, Justin come Tuesday? So Justin's been stretching out to give us a few different options to incorporate him back in the team. It could be as a, as a length guy out of the bullpen, which I think we've seen is like immensely valuable to us. Even could be a guy who could ultimately spot start for us depending on our needs. Uh, so he's going to be a versatile piece when he comes back, and he's, he's on the home stretch, as you mentioned. I think the 25th is the day he needs to come off. Bartolo Colon is going to pitch tomorrow night, game one of a series with the Dodgers. And uh, maybe you saw the story in ESPN a couple days back that he hinted that if it doesn't go well, he's contemplating retirement. Have you heard rumblings of that, or did that catch you by surprise? It, it caught us by surprise, and to be fair, I think it caught him by surprise. I think he felt as if that may have been taken a little bit out of context. Uh, you know, I think he feels that the game's going to let him know when he's done, and I think he's open to the fact that at the end of the season he's going to take account of where he is and then decide what he wants to do for 2018 and beyond. But I don't believe that he intended that message to be relative to the immediate term. So I don't think he has any intention to walk away from this team. He actually made it very clear to us that uh, if we construed his comments that way that we were we, we were mistaken. And so he made it very clear to us he's here to try to compete and try to win games for the Minnesota Twins. One final break. We'll come back and wrap up the Sunday program next on your home for Twins Baseball. Last couple minutes of Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of a target field. Corey Provis back with Thad Levine. Thought from you on Gibson yesterday, maybe his best all year? I thought it was exceptional. You know, he got off to a little bit of a rocky start with the walk and then the single. But beyond that, it looked like he and Jason Castro were in tremendous sync. Uh, he was He worked with a, a great pace. Uh, he was throwing strikes. And, you know, sometimes the game is, is not as difficult as we make it. Uh, when Kyle Gibson throws about 60 to 64% strikes, he is exceptionally, exceptionally uh, effective in the major leagues, and he was that yesterday. He got, we got a lot of awkward swings against him, I, which was a very good lineup. You know, So that's a tough lineup to get through, and he did it, and he had an ex- excellent outing. Hopefully something he can build on. And the guy going today, Alberto Mejia, spring training, he was throwing strikes. April he wasn't, but now... He's been doing that, right? His strike rate is up. Well, you know, interesting juxtaposition is one thing that I think he struggled with early in the season is following the game plan that Jason Castro and Chris Jimenez had put forth for him to get through the game. Uh, he was shaking off our catchers a lot more than maybe he should. We sent him down. We talked to him about that. He really didn't realize he was doing it to the extent he was. He came back up here. He's much more in sync with our catchers, and he's having a lot more success. So his stuff plays up here. If, if he lets the catchers tell him what to use and when, I think he's going to have a lot of success in the big leagues. Got about uh, 35, 45 seconds left. This week for you, is it fun? Is fun not the, not, not the right word? How do you kind of define your job this week with what you hope to add? It's exhilarating. You know, this is kind of what we're in it for, and these are the times where we try to do our best to deliver for the fans. Part of the delivery, though, sometimes is passing on a deal that would hurt us in the future. So we're not desperate to make a move just to, to be able to put our names in a headline. We want to make the right move, and I think that will be our focus for this week week upcoming. All right. Well, good luck this week. Always appreciate the time. Good laughs here today as well, and uh, we'll talk throughout the week. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, we thank Thad Levine for his time. Great insight today here on our Sunday program. We have more to come here on the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Game 3, Twins and the Tigers. Coming up at 110, it'll be at Alberto Mejia, 4-4, four four, Matthew Boyd, 3-5 and five, on the mound today for Detroit. But coming up next, today's pregame lineup card. Chris has that for you coming up momentarily, and then we'll have Game 3. Should be a nice crowd. Military Appreciation Day at the ballpark, always a fun day. It'll be 
a lively atmosphere once again here at Target Field. We thank you for joining us. More to come on your home for Twins Baseball. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.